Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwins, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you are here. Happy Wednesday, May 25th, final Wednesday of the month. Next week, we hit June, and hopefully some summer weather will come with it. June on the wrestling calendar is a pretty fun month, you guys. I don't know if you already know, um, but Final X coming up in Stillwater on June 3rd, as well as New York City, June 8th. Um, That's the final step of USA Wrestling's World Team Trials process. Features some of the world's best wrestlers, male and female. We'll also have a small Iowa presence involved as well with both Felicity Taylor and Ben Provisor involved. There's also the U-20 World Team Trials and the U-23 National Championships. That's set for June 3rd through 5th in Geneva, Ohio, and I'm expecting a heavy Iowa collegiate presence at both of those events. I know the Hawkeyes usually send a contingent of wrestlers to the U23 National Tournament. Hopefully some Cyclones and Panthers will be there as well, but also U20 World Team Trials going to feature some younger college wrestlers, some older high schoolers, so there's some intrigue there as well. Thinking of guys like Aiden Riggins, Ben Keeter, um, Hunter Garvin, Wyatt Volker. Um, When you're thinking of the Iowa high school guys, they all performed very, very well at the U20 uh, National Championships at the U was open. What would that have been like a month ago or so? Um, so lots of intrigue in that event. And then also in June, 16U and Junior National Duels. 16U National Duels, uh, that's June 7th through the 11th at Loves Park in Illinois. Um, that's going to feature a lot of the nation's top younger high school uh, wrestlers, thinking you know freshmen, sophomores, also some 8th graders as well that are going to probably make some noise on the national scene. And then you got the Junior National Duels set for June 14th through the 18th in Tulsa. That'll feature more of the nation's top high school wrestlers. Um, I'm expecting Iowa to have a pretty strong team at both of those events. Obviously, they won the Junior Freestyle National Duels last year, um, finished top eighth in both Freestyle and Greco-Roman, 16U dual team. Um, Not quite as well, but I'm expecting them to have a pretty tough team this year um, when they head out to Illinois. Going to be a lot of fun, um, especially for those of us who follow Iowa high school wrestling, right? Fairly busy schedule coming up in June, um, which follows what's already been a pretty full wrestling schedule through the first part of the spring season. Um, But what I wanted to do today, and I've been wanting to do this for a while, um, was a mailbag podcast. I know during the season I do a written version, um, and it's always a lot of fun to put together each week. Um, We use that space to kind of talk about, you know, kind of literally anything and everything that has to do with wrestling that's kind of on our minds. Um, And it's been really fun to connect with readers in that way. I promised at the end of this past season... Um, that we would do a podcast version over the summer sometime and figured, hey, why not now, the week after the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament, we have kind of a little break here um, between that and 
you know, the next event, which is the U20 World Team Trials Challenge. Um, so, you know, hey, why not fire one up, kind of see what happens, right? So we got a handful of questions here that I will go through for today's show. Some are related to wrestling specifically as they pertain to Iowa wrestling. Um, some are just, you know, kind of random wrestling questions, and some aren't even related to wrestling at all. They're just kind of fun stories in and around the wrestling world and some experiences that you guys may or may not be aware of. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun here. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy it, and we can do it again later this summer. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, Fingers crossed that this goes well. Let's jump right into it, all right? All right, our first question is from Julian, known on Twitter, at WrestlingFan underscore 97. He asks, kind of a two-parter here, how's recruiting going for Iowa? Do you know if they are recruiting Chittum, Peterson, and Haggerty? And when it comes to recruiting, who do you think Iowa should be recruiting? Um, Recruiting's pretty full right now, man. Um, The 2022 guys are coming in either this summer or fall. Um, And then Iowa's 2023 class already includes some pretty heavy hitters, right? Nate Jessaroga, Ben Keeter, Gabe Arnold, and Ryder Block. All of them are already committed. Um, here's what I can tell you. Cody Chittam and McCray Haggerty have both been on campus for visits. Can't speak too much to Kale. Honestly, just haven't reached out and asked him. Um, but let's start with that one. Chittam, so far as I can tell, still publicly committed to Minnesota. Um, you know, he announced his commitment to the Gophers around this time last year. Hasn't removed that post from his personal Instagram account. Um, those of... Uh, those of you that follow on Twitter, I'm not sure that he's got anything Minnesota-related on his Twitter account. Honestly, don't really know what his Twitter account is, um, but that's just what somebody has told me. Uh, but I also know he's recently taken visits to both Iowa City and Ohio State, um, so reason to believe he's maybe back on the market, right? He's an intriguing prospect, man. Um, projects at 49-57, hard-nosed, attack-first kind of style, a um, little bit of Greco background, very successful when it comes to freestyle and folk style. Um I believe he's already graduated high school too, but I'm not sure if he if that makes him a 22 recruit or a 23 recruit. You know what I mean? So um, something probably to monitor and to find out. Um, he'd be a real solid get if the Hawkeyes can reel him in, right? I think a lot of Iowa fans are intrigued by him um, because you know maybe that intrigue is heightened because you know let's say he's a 2022 guy and he reclassified and he shows up with the the signing class that just graduated high school um you know could he be an immediate fit at 157 for Iowa since that appears to be the only hole in the lineup heading into next season um I would caution people about an immediate impact I'm not sure how big he is you know can he is he big enough to just go 57 right away um is he more of a 49 pounder and then at the same time like is he a guy that maybe needs needs to redshirt, right? Um, you know, that I, redshirt could, you know, allow him a year to bulk up or allow him just another year to get used to Division One wrestling, right? There's the development aspect when it comes to recruiting that's always tricky. Um, you know, another thing about the weight aspect is like if he's – you know, set on going 49, that's that's an interesting thought as it pertains to Iowa, right? Because they have Max Murin coming back for another season. And then behind him, they also have Kobe Seabrek, Brettley Reyna, and Caleb Rachi all in the mix at that weight as well. So um, Chittam's an interesting thought, man. So I, I guess we'll see. I know he's been on campus, not quite sure where he's standing at, um, just haven't talked to him, right? Um, I know McCray Haggerty has also been in Iowa City a couple different times, visits and camps. Um, those of us here in Iowa know who McCray Haggerty is all too well, right? Two-time state champ for Waverly Shell Rock, returning 16U All-American in both freestyle and Greco. Recently just took third at the 17U World Team Trials. Um, considered the number 34 overall prospect in the 2023 class by uh, Matt Scout's our buddy Willie Saylor. He projects at 197 pounds, though. 
and I find a potential fit in Iowa City on the surface to be a little strange. Um, the Hawkeyes have a lot of guys already at that weight, right? Colby Franklin, Bradley Hill are both joining the Hawkeyes, part of the 22 recruiting class, and they're both expected to contend for the starting job at 197. Um, so they'll be true freshmen next year. They should redshirt. Um, Iowa has Jacob Warner coming back next season, returning NCAA finalist, three-time All-American. Once he graduates, um, you know Franklin and Hill should be expected to contend immediately. But you've also got Zach Glazier there. You know that's a guy, junior world team trials, uh, junior world team trials finalist. Words are hard sometimes, um, and he's also been in the room for a while, so he's already got that acclimation. Um, you know, he knows how D1 wrestling works. He's been to a handful of tournaments here and there. The guy knows, I mean, he's been to a few duels as well. Um, you know, the guys, he's been wrestling at D1 level, you know, so we'll kind of see how that works. Um, you know, I know Haggerty beat Brad Hill in the state finals this past year. Um, and maybe there's the prospect that any number of those guys, right, uh, could bump up to heavy, could maybe they slim down to 84. Um, but, you know, hopefully you see why I think Haggerty in Iowa City may be an odd fit. You know, then again, Waverly Shell Rock, um, there's a handful of other GoHawk uh, wrestlers there um, that were teammates with McCray, right? Aiden Riggins is coming in as part of the 22 recruiting class. Ryder Block coming in, same age as McCray Haggerty. Maybe that's enough to sway him to Iowa City. I suppose we'll see. Um, maybe he doesn't care too much about the fact that there's already guys there at the weight he projects at. He just maybe wants to come in and compete. Um you know, I can't say for certain that I know exactly how that's going to go. I just again, I just haven't talked to McCray yet. He's he's a guy high up on my list that um, you know I want to make sure I circle back on when it comes to his recruitment and, and kind of you know get the temperature of that room there, so to speak. Um, I know Julian also asked about Kale Peterson again. Can't say for certain that I was recruiting him. Um, simply just haven't asked. But off the top of my head, another one where kind of an odd fit, right? He projects. 25, 33, maybe 41. I, I'm not sure how much bigger he's supposed to get. Again, he's a guy on my list that I'd want to chat with about this stuff. Um, but, you know, just 25, 33, right off the top of my head, that's Iowa's got that weight on lock for the near future, right? Um, Spencer Lee's got one more year, and then after him, Drake Ayala, Jesse Ibarra, um, you know, probably the guys at 25. Then you got Colin Trever at 33. Jace Rhodes, perhaps, could be also in the mix at 33 there. Aaron Cashman, I believe, still has another year or two. Um, so maybe they still chase Kale. Um, I don't want to rule that out either. I think he'd be, um, you know, I, when it comes to Kale Peterson, I'm really excited to see how his recruiting unfolds, right? Two-time state champ, um, first at West Fork, then for Green County. He finally had his breakout national performance, um, you know, at the 17U World Team Trials, got to the semifinals, ended up finishing fourth. Um, you know, that earned him a spot in uh, Matt Scout's rankings, number seven nationally at 126 pounds, and then a spot on the uh, 2023 big board, right? Number 80 overall. So a top 100 recruit really seems to like him. I really like Cale Peterson. I love the way that guy competes. Um, you know, as, as, as long as he's locked in, he's one of the best in the country when it comes to lightweight prospects, right? So I'm expected, I'm excited to just kind of see him compete a little bit more this summer, junior national championships. Maybe he gets some run at junior duels. Um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll kind of see how all that unfolds for Cale. So um, as for who Iowa should be recruiting, um, this one's an interesting one from Julian. You could kind of go up and down the lineup and see where Iowa is probably looking at when it comes to, you know, potential recruiting targets, right? Um, you know, I think 141-pounder might help sew up the 2023 class a little bit, at least an elite one, right? So you get two years of Real Woods who transferred in from Stanford. Um, and then behind him, Drew Bennett, um, Cade Seabrecht, 
you know, possibly Jace Rhodes, depending on where his size is at. It's entirely possible that any of these guys step up and, and become the guy behind Real Woods, um, but it also wouldn't hurt to just kind of keep chasing that spot on the recruiting trail, right? There are a lot of elite level guys that are projected to go 141 when they get into college that are still available in the 2023 class. Wouldn't surprise me to see Iowa target some of those guys um, to add to their current list of commitments. Um, not going to speak to any names specifically. I just don't know who Iowa has been talking to and who might potentially be coming on visits. That might be something I have to look into when we go to the junior national duels, right? And just making sure we're having conversations with these coaches. That way I know who to keep an eye on, right? Um, you know, I think the other thing too is I, I also keep an eye on the transfer portal. Um, maybe they can find a plug and play guy at 157. I'm not sure who all is available in the transfer portal, um, but that seems to be, again, the only hole um, in the lineup when you kind of project who their starters are going to be next year. There might be some answers in the room, right? Sebastian Robles, Joe Kelly, perhaps uh, Brettley Reyna or Kobe Seabrook bump up and fill in at 157. Uh, maybe Aiden Riggins just comes in and goes as a true freshman, right? I think that's uh, that's an intriguing way. Going to kind of see um, what Iowa ultimately decides to do. But if they can fill that hole, they're going to have a pretty good lineup next year, guys. They already have one, even without having maybe a true answer at 157, at least as of this recording. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. That's going to be a spot to watch for sure. Austin Summer, our homie from Intermad who covers the EIWA, he asked, thoughts on Michael Kemmer leaving Iowa? I'm going to be honest, man. I don't have really a ton of big thoughts on this one way or the other. I haven't talked to Michael Kemmer about his move to the Spartan Combat RTC, um, but the release that announced his addition says that he'll be a resident athlete and also in a coaching role. Um, no matter what, I'm pumped for him. I hope he gets to wrestle some freestyle for a little while, uh, but I am also excited to see him stick with wrestling in a coaching role as well. Always enjoyed my conversations with Michael over the years. Always loved watching him compete, obviously. He was an absolute warrior, kind of wrestling his way through an injury this past year. Ultimately finished fourth at the NCAA Championships. Four-time All-American. All four of his finishes were fourth or better. Um, just an absolute hammer of a wrestler and um, you know, I know a lot of you guys um, that are Iowa fans, you know, recall his his recruiting story and just kind of how pivotal it was to really helping turn around the Iowa program at that point in time. Right. Tom Brands driving through the night 700 miles from Iowa City to Pennsylvania to, to knock on Michael Kemmerer's door and, and kind of correct what was at that point in time a, a recruiting visit gone wrong and um, you know they're able to steal Michael Kemmerer away from Lehigh and, and the rest is history. Right. He, he comes to Iowa City becomes a four-time All-American, an absolutely integral part of, you know, helping recruit Spencer Lee. Um, you know, you can kind of pinpoint Kemmer's commitment as, as a really crucial turning point in, you know, what ultimately became the uh, 2021 National Team Championship for the Iowa Hawkeyes, right? So, um, you know, and just over the course of him being in Iowa City and during my time covering the team, just um, absolute pleasure to, to talk with, to, to write about, just loved picking his brain when it comes to wrestling things, X's and O's, but then also just, you know, real life things, right? Like this is a guy that ended up with two degrees out of Iowa, just kind of a set for life, um, right? Just excellent, just super smart guy, just kind of understands the bigger picture more often than not. And um, you always appreciate having conversations with guys like that. So um, I know he's going to make a great coach. 
um, whether it's through the RTC or someday on, on officially in, in a college capacity, right? He's a great wrestling mind, um, and I feel like he's going to make his athletes better, right? I didn't see too many sour grapes or, or upset fans over Kemmerer leaving Iowa City either, um, which is always heartwarming. Um, you know, the, the fit with Spartan, honestly, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, right? Um, it takes him closer to Pennsylvania, which is where, originally where he's from. Um, you know, I know that he's going to be based in Ithaca, which is, you know, Spartan RTC is associated with Cornell. Um, I imagine that's got to be pretty fun for him too, right, to be able to go back closer to home. Plus, you look at who's currently on the Cornell coaching staff in this edition at least in my mind, makes way too much sense, right? So you got Mike Gray as the head coach. He's been instrumental in working with Cornell's lightweights um, ever since Rob Cole was there and even after his own uh, collegiate wrestling career. Uh, Mike Gray's assistants, Donnie Vinson, he wrestled 149. Kellen Russell, multiple-time NCAA champ, um, kind of in that middleweight range for Michigan. I know he wrestled at 41 or 49, I believe. And then you also got Nick Gwizdowski, who's the current volunteer assistant. He's a heavyweight, right? Um, so then you add Kemmer to the room through Spartan RTC and you know, that immediately is going to probably help those guys, you know, the 65 to even, I, I would suggest 84 to 97 range, right? Like it just gives them somebody to roll with, somebody who will help coach them. Um, and then also just my, having Michael Kemmerer as part of the, the, in a coaching role, it's going to help the younger guys that are coming into the program, that are coming into the RTC. And, um, you know, you got a bona fide leader there. Ask anybody in the Iowa room, Michael Kemmerer, you know, both outspoken and through his actions, just, you know, a leader through and through. And um, that's what Cornell and Spartan RTC is getting for him. A genius move here from Spartan Combat and Cornell to get him in that room. He is going to help a ton. I'm excited for him, and I'm excited to, you know, kind of see – uh, the impact he makes, you know, on the athletes in in the Spartan RTC in the Cornell room, and just continue to, um, you know, stay with the sport of wrestling. I think it's going to be really cool to see him out there. One of my favorite Twitter followers, known as uh, "quote can't rain all the time," he asks. Um, well, he asked a number of different questions. Uh, how full of a roster do you expect the Iowa women's wrestling team to have going into next year's season, even though they're all going to be wrestling unattached? Any updates on possible targets for Coach Chun? Um, and then thoughts on the excellent Coach Mayab hire and possible next assistant coaching hire? Um, let's just go through them all, right? Um, you know, how full of a roster do you expect the Iowa women's wrestling team to have going into next season, even though they'll all be wrestling unattached? So currently there's 11 that'll be on the roster. 10 of them are senior signees, right? Kylie Welker, Ella Schmidt, Reese Laramendi, Nyla Valencia, Brianna and Emily Gonzalez, Ava Bayless, uh, Sam Calkins, Bella Murr, Sterling Diaz, plus um, the 11th, Nanea Estrella, who is transferring in from Menlo College, the NAIA program out of California. If I had to guess, um, I wouldn't be shocked if that was kind of it. Um, you might get one or two more recruits here and there, um, maybe a transfer or two, um, but I would anticipate those 11 being kind of the core of the roster next season, at least right now. Um, you know, I know that w- with the transfer portal, you kind of always have to have your head on a swivel all the way through up until, you know, even August, early August or something like that. So, um, you know, I it wouldn't shock me to see maybe a couple more additions. But, you know, if those are the 11 going into next fall, um, that also wouldn't surprise me either. Any updates on possible top targets for Coach Chun? 
Um, the world is kind of her oyster as the head coach of the only Division One Power Five women's wrestling program, right? Um, so she's going to be kind of probably recruiting everybody if she hasn't already. The last time I talked to her about recruiting, she said that she was going to start targeting some middle and upper weights, um, some 2023 prospects, which is the, the current uh, junior turned, I guess, upcoming senior class. Like it's the class that they're, they're about to be seniors in high school. And then she was also intrigued by a handful of in-state wrestlers. Um, that could honestly mean a bunch of things. Um, you know, last time I talked to her about this, uh, no official name drops, um, specifically, but, um, here are just some things to keep in mind, right? The middle and upper weights in, in women's collegiate wrestling, um, 143, 155, 170, 191. That opens up all sorts of possibilities when it comes to the recruiting trail. I know, but that does give you an idea of where she's probably looking at. If you want to go scan USA wrestling's most recent national high school girls rankings, right? Um, I put a link to that in the show notes. If you want to go take a peek, um, I can't again. I can't speak to specific names of recruits that she's probably talking to, um, but considering she's already bringing in a bunch of superstars with this current initial signing class, um, you could probably take some reasonable guesses about who the potential targets are. Hint: they're normally near the top of the weight class rankings. Um, final part: uh, thoughts on the excellent coach Mayab hiring and any possible um, inklings as to who the next assistant coach might be. I honestly, man, I love. The Gary Mayab hire, that is a high-level wrestling mind that's coming to Iowa City to work with the Iowa women. Um, he's most well-known for his Greco-Roman prowess, helping coach USA Wrestling's age-level Greco program over the years. Um, he's helped athletes of all ages all over the world. Um, that is invaluable experience to bring to your program. Also, um, you know he's from my neck of the woods in Kansas City, right? And I, I touch on that here in a second. But he also helped coach Missouri's cadet and junior Greco-Roman teams for years. Those guys that went to Fargo um, and just a ton of champs, a ton of All-Americans. I mean, that guy is legit, legit, right? But then on top of that, this is another thing that I, I really like about the Mayab hire, just kind of. Um, I don't know if it's like sneaky or quiet, but uh, the guy knows how to build winning programs. And on top of that, he knows how to cultivate winning cultures. Um, I, like I mentioned, he's from Kansas City, just like me. And we watched Mayab build um, not one, but two state championship wrestling programs almost literally from the ground up, right? He created a national powerhouse at Oak Park High School right in Kansas City. Um, you know, and for those of you old wrestling heads that remember those amazing old Oak Park teams, that was back with like Zach and Mac Bailey, Dylan Joyner, Brent Haynes, Shane and Jacob Nay, Cody Brewer, Cody Tyler, a lot of nationally known wrestling names back in the, you know, early 2000s, right? Um, but then he also left that job to help build a program at Staley High School after it first opened up. The same Staley High School that helped produce uh, Zach and Rocky Elam, those guys that are now down at Mizzou. Um, you know, Staley is in the same district as Oak Park, and I remember it was a huge deal at the time in Kansas City wrestling circles when we heard that Mayab was leaving this dynasty that he created at Oak Park to go and, and start the program at Staley. Well, um, he turned he turned the Falcons program into a state championship program in very short order, right? Um, the, the point I'm getting at here is like the skills and the traits required to build a winning team and winning culture. Um, that's what he's helping bring to Iowa City, and I don't want that to get lost in his hire because of the you know the oh, state high school championship credentials and, and the USA Wrestling Greco stuff. Like you know th- this guy knows how to build a winning culture from the ground up. Um, and I think that's going to be equally as important, 
um, as his, you know, rustling X's and O's and, and ability to relate and teach technique. Um, that's that's another big reason why I absolutely love the Gary Mayab hire. Who could be next? Uh, my guess, if I had to take a stab in the dark, right, um, maybe someone for the upper weights to roll with, right? And I know that they, they may have kind of quietly already taken care of this when it comes to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club members, right? Victoria Francis, Jordan Nelson, Rachel Waters, Um you know, they will probably be able to help a lot in that aspect. Um, but, you know, another coach just kind of that'll help with the middle and upper weights, uh, maybe one with some NCAA coaching experience, you know, that that could kind of come up next. You know, someone who knows uh, the recruiting rules, someone who kind of knows um, – you know, just kind of the ins and outs of those things, right? Um, again, that's me taking a shot in the dark. I haven't really had specific conversations with Clarissa about all of that. Um, so we'll see what happens. But don't be shocked if the next assistant coach has a lot of those traits. Sean Timmerman on Twitter as at TimmyS3 underscore one underscore six asks, What's your take on the attendance drama at the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament? I have a lot of thoughts on this, uh, on the attendance issues from last weekend's World Team Trials Challenge Tournament. Um, the attendance was low. It was very low. And part of the appeal of putting an event like that in Iowa is because of the wrestling fandom that's already embedded in the community, right? The Iowa Wrestling Program, um, which is housed in Iowa City, right down the road from Extreme Arena, um, it's led the nation in attendance, home wrestling attendance, every year since 2007. Makes sense to bring some major wrestling events to Iowa, right? So then why was the attendance so low? Um, First off, Let's not lose sight of the fact that freestyle and Greco events have always, always, always been poorly attended. Um, Every major freestyle and Greco event I've personally ever been to outside of the U.S. Olympic trials and a handful of final X events has never really been great in the way of attendance. Um, This is just kind of the way it's been, and we can have a separate discussion about what it takes to grow the freestyle and Greco stuff, but that's probably a separate conversation. Still, hardly anybody was in the building over the weekend for the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament, and there are a few smaller reasons that I think might help explain some of it. Um, First and foremost, hardly anybody from Iowa was actually there competing, right? There were a few of them. Tony Cassiope was there. The Hawkeye Wrestling Club women were all there. Victoria Francis, Jordan Nelson, Rachel Waters. Um, You had some other Iowa wrestlers in the mix. Drew Foster, Taylor Lujan were there. David Carr, Ian Parker. Felicity Taylor from South Winnesheek, Drew West, I don't know if you guys remember him, from Riverside and Solon, he was there wrestling Greco. Um, A handful more, but generally speaking, much of Iowa wrestling's rabid fandom comes from the fact that they're there supporting Hawkeye wrestlers at Carver Hawkeye Arena every winter. That's just kind of the fact of it, right? Um, That people cheer for their collegiate programs more so than maybe they cheer for specific individual wrestlers. Um, It was also rough timing with the Iowa State track and field meet going on just 90 minutes away in Des Moines, plus a bunch of high school graduations that were going on around the state. Um, The family dollar um, and decisions surrounding it tend to trump whatever the wrestling community wants. Um, Along those same lines, let's be honest, it's a little tough to get in and out of Coralville sometimes. Um, The nearest airport is Cedar Rapids, some 20 minutes up the road, and to get there you have to go through normally another major airport. Um, It's not really all that cheap. That'll probably limit the number of people that are thinking about going. Again, the dollar matters. Um, On top of that, the tickets weren't exactly very cheap, right? Um, You know, and then on top of the inflation thing and gas being more than four bucks uh, a gallon in a lot of areas, um, hotels probably weren't very cheap. Just a lot of monetary factors that probably played into what's going on there. 
Um, you know, and like, and on top of that, like, we're only a few months removed from the NCAA season, right? So, like, you're not only asking people to buy season tickets and to go support their collegiate teams and then go to whatever conference tournament they're going to and then make the trip up to Detroit for the NCAA championships. And then now you want them to go to Vegas for the U.S. Open. Now you want them to go to this tournament. Now you want them to go to that tournament. Now you want them to come to Coralville for the World Team Trials Challenge tournament. Um, that's just it's a lot. You know, you're, you're asking, I, it's easy for me to do it because I cover wrestling and, you know, all these events that come to Iowa, they're right down the road from me. So like, heck yeah, I can go do that. You know, it doesn't cost me anything except gas and my company pays me back for that. But like the every person, like you're asking them to just strictly spend their money and not everybody's just going to be on board with that. Right. Um, couple other smaller things like that's in addition to money didn't see a whole lot of promotion for the event itself um i probably saw more than the average person because i'm buried in wrestling circles on a lot of my social media accounts and i'm also just in wrestling conversations a lot more than the average person so i probably saw a little bit more of it even then not a ton going on right the biggest problem to me though was the format of the event the Final X format has made the preliminary steps of the World Team Trials process not very fan-friendly. Um, even as someone who covered the event last week, and I found it a little frustrating to write about it because, for example, Felicity Taylor and Ben Provisor, they didn't really win anything. They just punched their ticket to the last step so that they could win something. USA Wrestling's World Team was not decided at the World Team Trials Tournament. It was merely the second step of a three-step process, right? The final step, which is where the teams are actually going to be decided, will be next month at Final X. I guess it's not really next month. It's more, I guess, the first leg of it's next week. Um, If you want the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament to have fans, part of me thinks you might have to erase the current World Team Trials process format. Um... It should honestly be just a quick two-step process, right? You qualify for the World Team Trials through whatever way you do, and then you win the World Team Trials. Boom, right? Like, that puts fans in the stands for a World Team Trials tournament, right? Um, So far as I understand it, we went to this Final X format to give the winner of the Trials Challenge Tournament more rest time between the Challenge Tournament and then wrestling, presumably the incumbent, for the World Team spot, right? It used to be you wrestle the Challenge Tournament, and then there's a previous world medalist at your weight, you would have to beat them two times out of three to make the world team. That used to be all done in one day, and then they stretched it over two days, and now they stretch the world team trials over two days and make the best of three final event on a separate day entirely, right? Makes sense. Here's my thought process. Um, You know, if we eliminate final X, what would the next format look like? Um, what would it mean for the past world team member who won a world medal the year before? Because the other thing Final X did, uh, if I guess I'm recircling my steps here, is allowed returning world medalists to skip the world team trials process altogether and go straight to Final X as like a reward, right? Um, I guess my thought process is that maybe we should get rid of that too. Um, Your reward for making the world team, if I were in charge, whether or not you win a medal is that you're automatically qualified for the world team trials the next year. If I was in charge, I think I'd make all returning world team members the one seed at the world team trials, whether or not you win a medal. Um, Then have everybody else qualify and then make everybody go through the tournament to make the world team. You wrestle the tournament until you decide your finalists on day one, and then the finalists wrestle their best of three series on day two. That way, the tournament still keeps its simulation of the world championships intact, and then everybody has to go through the tournament 
in order to win the world team spot, right? Everybody has to go through the same thing to get to the same spot. Um, what that also does is it puts your spores, your sports superstars back in the building for the world team trials, which inevitably puts more butts in seats, right? We saw some incredible wrestling last weekend, right? Chance Marsteller and Vincenzo Joseph had a three-match series. Zahid Valencia and Mark Hall renewed their rivalry, even though Zahid swept him. Seth Gross and, and Daniel DeShazer. Evan freaking Henderson made it to Final X at 65 kilos, right? Zane and J.O., they both navigated the tournament at 70 kilos. Isaac Trumbull made a run. Mallory Velti and Emma Bruntill had an epic battle. Nate Jackson just did what he does, right? He blanked his opponents, and now he's headed to Final X. Braxton Amos wrestled really well at Greco, on and on on and on and on and on. But how much cooler and how much more epic would that tournament have been if you included Thomas Gilman, Dayton Fix, Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, David Taylor, Jaden Cox, Helen Maroulis, Kayla Miracle, Giangelo Hancock, Sarah Hildebrand. All of wrestling superstars were in the same building for the same tournament. Like, yeah, more butts in seats, right? Like, that's what people want to see. They want to see the superstars, but they also want to see the world team get decided. Um, people might push back on the idea that making our returning world medalist wrestle through the tournament again, um, you know, and, and they might hang on to the idea that Final X offered a reward for winning on the world stage. But after a conversations with a bunch of different wrestling minds over this past weekend, I was talking to the idea that they should probably have to defend their spot. Right? Like the reward for making the world team, whether they win a medal or not, is that you're the one seed at the next world team trials challenge. Like you're the person to beat. So you're the one seed. Um, they don't have to worry about qualifying for the world team trials like everybody else has to. They're there. And moreover, they, in theory, have the most favorable spot to make the team again, right? People might also push back on the idea that what we're doing is currently working. And that it's led to more world medals than ever before for the USA Wrestling senior level teams. Um, that's a fair assessment. But why would making our previous world team members have to win another tough tournament um, not continue to keep them sharp and ready for world class competition, right? Like, what about the idea that I just presented makes you think that we'll somehow fall off? Like, that would be my response to people who might question that. Right? Like, I think that if you include everybody at the world team trials and the teams are decided in two days, um, I think it would better prepare our world team. I think it would consolidate the world team trials process, and I think it would help grow the sport more and make the world team trials a better overall product, right? This, again, this is just one man's opinion, and I think it could really help attendance at an event that probably deserves to have high attendance. Um, just to kind of circle back about how I got on this rant to start with. Um, it may not ultimately work, but you know what? You you don't really know until you try, right? Like that's that's the gist of my idea. Let's spitball this thing around. Let's maybe get rid of the Final X format. Let's bring back a World Team Trials format that decides our teams on the weekend that immediately draws more interest, that immediately probably wants people to get into the seats and into the building to watch the event. Um, you know, and then there's built-in storylines, right? Like can so-and-so defend their world team spot again you know you're gonna have world medalists in the building that is gonna already add to the level of wrestling that's already incredibly high in the building in the tournament like i don't know that's just one thought um let me know what you guys think i know that there's been tons of conversations going around on wrestling twitter since the weekend um you know, like consolidate the process, make it all done in one weekend, um, you know, make it one destination instead of three or four destinations over the course of two months. And I think you'll see more people um, in the building. And I think you'll see a better product for the sport of wrestling. And I think that'll ultimately help the sport grow.
All right, Coach Dan Beating asks, Battle of Minnesota heavyweights in their NCAA prime, who you got, Brock Lesnar or Gable Steveson? It's got to be Gable, right? Like, to me, it's Gable Steveson, and it's not particularly close. Uh, We're talking about an Olympic gold medalist in an era where heavyweight wrestling is arguably the best it's ever been, both domestically and internationally, against Brock Lesnar, who did win an NCAA title. He twice won the Big Ten, but then he went on to play football and is now doing the fake wrestling thing. Um, I'm not saying the match wouldn't be entertaining. Like, Lesnar was a beast. Um, he was, you know, he ultimately became the UFC heavyweight champ. He, the guy knows how to scrap. He was obviously a very, very good wrestler. I think even before he won an NCAA title, he Juco title, um, just an exceptional wrestler. I just personally think the combination of quick feet, technique, wrestling IQ makes Gable a runaway winner in this particular matchup. Um, Gable over Lesnar all day, uh, by literal miles. Like I really don't think that matchup would be close if you found a way to simulate it. From the folks at Indiana, Matt, if you had to wrestle the Indiana Cody Goodwin for the rights to your name, how fast would Indiana Cody pin you? Um, This is hilarious, and I need to provide a bit of the backstory first. So early April, I'm in Cedar Falls for the USA Wrestling 16U National Championships and the National Recruiting Showcase event um, at the Unidome. And early on on the first day of competition, I'm scanning track wrestling to find where all the Iowa kids are at so I know who to follow during the weekend, right? Um, in one of the divisions, uh, one of the high school divisions, 160 pounds, I see that West Burlington, Notre Dame's uh, Isaiah Fenton is wrestling. Awesome. Make a note of that. Um, he has a first round by, and then a second round matchup is against a C. Goodwin. Um, naturally, I click on the bout, and it's a kid named Cody Goodwin from Crown Point, Indiana, right? I screenshot the bracket, highlight the kid's name, throw it up on Twitter with a joke that apparently I signed up to wrestle this weekend. Um, but now I'm invested, right? So I follow this other Cody Goodwin for the duration of his tournament. Um, he records a first round pin and then he beats Fenton five to one. That puts him in the quarterfinals where he's wrestling a kid named Austin Scott. Um, this other Cody Goodwin uses a reversal and three back points in the second period gives him a five, three lead. Like I'm literally watching this mat. Like that's, I'm, I'm watching this match. I'm invested. I'm checking his bout numbers, this, that, and the next. So he's up five, three in his quarterfinal match. Um, then he escapes. So that puts him up six, three in the third period. Well, then he gives up a couple of takedowns at seven, seven that pushes them to overtime. He gives up another takedown and he loses. To be fair, Austin Scott goes on and wins the whole thing, um, while this other Cody Goodwin ultimately medically forfeits in the blood round, fails to medal, um, and naturally I'm keeping people up to date on Twitter on this thing because I just think it's hilarious. So, turns out, some quick research shows that this other Cody Goodwin is actually pretty good. Um, Fourth in Indiana single-class state championships this past year at 160 pounds, and he's also a top 200 recruit, according to Matt Scouts. I was actually giving Willie some trouble when I saw the updated big board, because I was like, yo, like you put me way too low. I want to say it's like number 143 or something like that. Um, So now this other Cody Goodwin has a new fan here in Iowa, because we have the same name and we weigh roughly the same weight, kind of. He wrestles 160. He looked a little bit bigger than that. I'm probably just under 160 and more of a natural 152 pounder at this point in time. But anyways, back to Indiana Matt's question. How fast would Indiana Cody pin me? Um, Brother, I don't get pinned. Um, He would not pin me, but I'm thinking I could probably hand fight my way to a respectable loss. I'm going to, I'll get, I'll, I'll succeed, I'll succeed the victory. Like I'll concede that words are hard. I'll concede the, uh, the victory, but uh, yeah, he ain't pinning me. No chance. From Earl Smith, the great editor at Intermat, 
How does one charm a hostess into waving a 30 to 45 minute wait for them? Hypothetically, of course. Okay, one final story time to wrap up today's show. Um, Earl and I sat next to each other during the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament this past weekend. And and after the first session on Saturday, we decided to go get some food. Um, So we walk over to 30 Hop right there in the Iowa River Landing, and it is packed, packed. Uh, Wrestlers, coaches, fans, family, you name it, just absolute bonkers during a wrestling tournament, right? Just right across the street. So we walk up to the hostess who we just heard tell the people in front of us that it's probably going to be a 30 to 45 minute wait. And that really confused me because while we were walking in, I saw plenty of open tables outside. Happened to be a nice day outside. So I asked Earl if he's cool with sitting outside. He said, sure. So I walk up to the hostess and she's telling us the same thing, 30 to 45 minute wait. I'm like, hang on, there's tables outside. What if we just like go sit out there, right? Um, And you can see the light bulb just kind of go off in her head. And she's like, yeah, probably hang on. So she looks at her seating chart, grabs a couple of menus, and we follow her out to our seats. Boom, we're sitting and eating like 10 minutes flat. Um, So then Earl gives me trouble that I like have this sway as being somebody from Iowa who covers wrestling and I can magically get us a table even when the rest of the restaurant is super packed and no tables are seemingly available. Um, Total BS. There was no charm involved. I just kind of used common sense like, hey, like what if we just go sit down at that table, right? Like I, you know, just whatever. Earl's just trying to get me in trouble. Um, No charm involved. Just common sense. Okay, that was fun. Um, I appreciate you guys that sent in questions. I know there were a few others that I didn't get to, but as I started kind of going through this, I figured that if I got to all of them, we'd be talking for close to 90 minutes or two hours. And that, my friends, is pretty bad podcasting. Also, I wanted to make this a little bit shorter and more fun. I know we crossed over the 40-minute mark here just a moment ago. Um, But I just, I kind of wanted to make this a little bit punchier, get my thoughts out. Um, you know, and kind of move on to the next thing. So I wanted to answer as many questions as I could. So if you guys enjoyed this, let me know. And we can try to line up another time this summer to try and do another one. My initial thought is to do something, you know, late June, early July-ish, once we get through Final X, U20, then plus the U16 and Junior National Duels. Um, that'll give us some fresh material to talk about, right? Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but also just kind of, I would love a quick review about how you guys felt about this podcast. Um, I know we've done a mailbag podcast Gosh, it's been a long time since we've done one before. So um, let me know how you guys enjoyed this one. If you did, what you would do differently. I'm I'm all for critiques and whatnot because ultimately this podcast is for you guys. You're the one who's listening and, um, you know, I'm just kind of putting it together and uh, would greatly appreciate any sort of feedback you guys might be able to provide. But that's all I've got today, you guys. Thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin. Instagram, Cody J. Goodwin. And of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that, as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.